Okay, welcome to another episode of DGM Starter. I'm joined here with Paul Shen, who is currently working on a really cool project uh, with SketchIt. And it's a really cool service that schedules your meetings for you. So you don't, if you have a meeting with like four or five people, you don't have to find the perfect time in everyone's schedule that it that works for everyone. It'll do it for you. So um, I think like... Uh, what I love about this is it's like simple enough that you can understand it in a sentence like that. But um, welcome to the show, Paul. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, uh, th- thank you for joining me. It's we we've been trying to schedule something for a while, but it's just <laughs> it's a great funny because it, I know. Your, your service is is sketched, but it's like both of our schedules were were a little bit crazy. So I'm glad uh, you're here today, though. Um, so like to get started, though. Um, I'm curious, like, what's your story with SketchIt? Like, when did you hop into this whole thing? And, and like, where's it been from day one up to now? Like, wh- where are you at with this? Yeah, no, absolutely, man. So SketchIt itself started a couple of years ago. Um, I was introduced to the original two co-founders through a, another mutual connection that, I, that we both kind of knew. Uh, they were looking for it was extremely early stage, kind of ideation stage. They were looking for, you know, uh, a, a go-to-market guy, a marketing person. At the time, I was like, look, I don't think it really makes sense for me to jump on. You know, there's a lot of dev work that needs to happen, but glad to kind of work as a, like an advisor slash consultant, uh, you know, silent partner, however you want to label it. Whenever you have like a marketing or revenue question, I'm here. Let's kind of get this thing built up. And then it was the fall of last year that we finally felt like we had this thing tightened down to the point where it started to make sense for me to jump on. Uh, and then I think it was like September or October that, you know, we went full time into it. And since then I've been, I mean, I don't know, at least 40 hours a week, uh, you know, 40 hours a week, I think is a light week for most entrepreneurs. Uh, but yeah, just pushing schedule 24 seven. That's awesome. And, and um, obviously you're still like pretty early stage, but like, where do you see this going in the next, like, one, two, three years. I know it's early stage. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say two, three years. It's kind of tough to predict when you're that early on. Like, um... Sure. No, great question, man. Uh, you know, yeah, it's hard to tell. You know, I wish I had like a crystal ball that I just know uh-huh. exactly where we're going to be. Uh, you know, with that being said, we're, we're pretty excited. You know, we, uh, we've had over almost 700 beta testers on the, on the platform. They've awesome. given us lots of great feedback. Uh, through that feedback, we've iterated multiple times. We finally found like we've built a version that we're excited about, that you know that works for everyone. Uh, and then we used a, a company called Venture Validator. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but uh, f- funny enough, uh, was it? I think it was Friday or a week ago. Friday, I think okay. I had one of their co-founders on um, an episode. So oh no way! Uh, Is it Eric or Tyler? Well. Or... Uh, it was Tyler. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, no, they're awesome guys. Uh, anyways, so we used them. They helped then push this out to a whole bunch of people who didn't know who we were to get, you know, just third-party neutral feedback. That was also extremely positive. So right now we're just kind of tightening down those last little pieces, making sure the experience is pretty smooth. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're at this weird point where we actually have customers who are waiting to sign paperwork. They're like, hey, we want to pay for this. And we're like, okay, give us just like another week. Got a couple last things to finish updating. Uh, and then, yeah, let's get you guys onboarded. So, uh, you know, we've, we're pretty excited about where it's going to be. Skagit in itself has somewhat of a, you know, a virality or a network style effect. 
right? For it to work, you have to opt in. Opting in is super simple, but that opt-in then exposes you to Skagit to some degree. And so our hope is that by using it that way, that we'll see lots of people, you know, kind of see what Skagit is, get excited about it, and then want to sign up themselves. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're hoping that within the next year or so that we'll be able to hit that million dollar you know, that magic like first million dollar mm-hmm. ARR mark. Uh, and then, you know, let's see where we go from there. That's awesome. Like, uh, something that I've been really interested in recently is that business validation. Sure. And so that's why I brought on Tyler uh, from Venture Validator. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, but most of the people that I've talked to, like, like you're a software company, so I feel like you have a couple extra steps for validation compared to like if someone had an e-commerce brand that they were trying to build. Sure. Um, and so I, I think that's that's really cool that you have that beta test going, that you actually have people that are like wanting to hop on before you even feel like you're ready to launch. So I think that's a really good sign for the future, obviously. Um, and. I don't know if I had any more to add or, or any more questions about that. I just wanted to comment on. Uh, I think it's cool to see the validation processes of different businesses and and sure. like how you're going through and doing your homework, making sure it's right well, according to so what much, people Dale. want. So I I, I'm excited that, to follow Sketchit. Yeah. Well, we're glad uh, to have you in our corner for sure. <laughs> glad to be there. Um, so as as you've been like. I'm curious, what's your personal history with like wanting to be an entrepreneur or working with startups? Has that been something that you've been interested for oh, like and before? Have you worked? Have you tried to start a business or work for a startup? Uh, how, how do you kind of fall into the entrepreneurship world? Sure. Uh, you know, I actually originally didn't consider myself an entrepreneur at all. Uh, I grew up like outside of Virginia or sorry, outside of Richmond in Virginia and um I don't know. I think it's just a little bit more old school over there, right? Like, mm-hmm. everyone, I don't know, maybe not everyone on the East Coast, and I apologize for generalizing, but it's just kind of that, like, suit and tie, and it just feels a little bit more, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. Um, anyways, so I kind of grew up with this, like, mentality of, like, entrepreneurship or, like, starting a, a business or being a small business owner. Like, that was for people who couldn't get a job with, like, a real company. Like, that's just the mentality I grew up with. And obviously I was wrong. Uh, and then I came out to BYU and I was going to become a dentist originally. You know, it's that whole, like, I don't know, Asian parents, dad's a doctor, mom's a nurse, like just go in the medical field. Anything is fine in the medical field. And um, I don't know. I was one semester in and I was like, man, this sucks. I really don't want to do it. And, uh, you know, hopefully I don't offend any dentists out there. I mean, teeth are important. So keep doing what you do. But anyways, um, yeah, it was not for me, and I left uh, BYU, and my parents were like, cool, well, good luck in life, figure out what you're going to do, we're not helping pay for anything anymore, and uh, for the first time in my life, I was like, well, I guess I'm completely independent, and I got to go figure out something, and my roommate at the time worked at Little Caesars, and he's like, I can get you a job there for sure, and you know, now I'm looking back at it, like, I'm pretty sure anyone could get a job there, but it felt like a hookup at the time, and <laughs> we went down, and... uh yeah, you know, he was like, or I met with the manager, and she was like, yeah, so you could start at like, I don't know, like seven twenty-five or seven fifty an hour. If you work really hard, I think you can get like promoted to the assistant manager, and you make like eight dollars an hour. And I don't know, I just remember thinking like, eight bucks an hour. What the frick are you can do with like eight bucks an hour, right? Like, eight hours, 
40 hours a week, $320 a week before tax. And there's just that moment of like, I bet there's something I can do that someone will pay me more than $300 a week. And uh, I mean, I guess to kind of speed up the story real quick, it's, I, I used to do a lot of event management, like uh, event promotion that kind of turned into like, let's just try that. And next thing you know, I was basically throwing parties on the weekend and charging people like $2 to come in. And we'd ended up having sometimes hundreds or like 1500 kids show up. And I'm like, man, I made more money in one night than I would like a whole month working at Little Caesars. And uh, that ended up growing into an actual company. Uh, we did a, I don't know, a whole bunch of stuff there and then sold that company to this, uh, sorry, small company out of Kansas City uh, called the Media Group. So anyways, they ended up buying that company. And then I got connected with a guy named Ryan Westwood, uh, worked with him at PC Care Support and Simplest. Uh, then I was able to work with Amelia at Incorporate Massage and help with the rebrand into Zenovate. And that's kind of what really wanted, uh, reminded me how much I enjoyed running my own company. Uh, and that's, yeah, kind of stars aligned and I was back over at Skagit. So that's my, I guess, my story. I I love that origin story of how you like got into <sighs> entrepreneurship. Um, uh, I feel like that's when someone has that moment where they're just like, I could like sell 40 hours a week for not what I'm worth doing something that I don't really like doing or I could just like go get creative and find a way to to make money and like interest it's interesting that you did events um because have you read the book or heard of the book nail it and scale it I have heard of it I haven't well I haven't read it in a while it's been a little bit okay so one of those one Paul Ostrom who's one of the authors I heard him speak one time and he he told a story like really similar to yours at BYU where he's he was at BYU right and he's he's like well i need money and he's like i could just get a job and have to deal with that schedule at school or he's like or i could spend my last 100 dollars and make a party and sell tickets to a party yeah. and then that's that's how he he made enough money to pay rent that month so i'm like i i i love those stories where it's just like you need to do something so you get creative. So, uh, yeah, I'm. I I love those stories. So I I thought that was really cool, and that's something that is is risky, like you say. That's probably why in the East Coast they're a little more traditional because starting traditional. A that's a good word risky. for it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, Thank you, man. Uh, oh, it's, it's cool, you know. And honestly, like, depending, I get it. Like, people have different situations. Life's different for everyone. But, like, especially when you're young, like, taking a bet on yourself is awesome, right? Like, I figured the worst-case scenario is that I'd go end up working at a Little Caesars, which is <laughs> kind of, like, where I started anyway. So why not try it? Anyways, no, thank you, man. That, that means a lot to me. And 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 then, like, the, the next part of that story, which, like, anyone who's who wants to be an entrepreneur or is in that kind of same situation of, like, they need to do something so they get creative. Uh, but like after that, you went and got a job, which I don't think, I feel like some people in the entrepreneurship world are like, oh, like getting a job is the worst thing in the world. But <laughs> no, like that's a good place where you have people around you that you can learn. And so um, I, I think those are both things as long as you have like that mindset of like, oh, I need to find what I love. And that, and now you're here at Skagit trying to uh, get it up and running, which sounds like that's that's kind of what gets you going. So that's awesome. Thank you, man. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Like, so you've had 
a couple experiences, like you said, you helped with the rebrand. Uh, you got your event uh, thing going and sold that, and now you're with Skagit. And I'm curious, like as you've had these experiences, what are some like big tips or maybe like mistakes that you made that you could like help help other people learn from from your mistakes or like uh, uh, kind of like if you had someone who or I guess me I'm here wanting to be an entrepreneur come and ask you what are things to avoid or what are things that you need to make sure you do when starting a business like what are some of the tips that you would give yeah great question um I don't know when it comes to mistakes I feel like I made all of them so <laughs> you know I, mean, I don't know take your pick right um I guess I guess let's start there right um i don't know i think for one it took me a long time to get back into that into this world like longer than i'd like to admit right it was super cool working with ryan and it was super cool working with amelia it was awesome being able to be part of their leadership teams i learned a ton from that and like awesome experiences but i don't know how many other ideas i've had during that time and i was just like ah, the time's not right the time's not right i'll do it later i'll do it later and it finally hit me that it's like I don't know if I wanted some magic time where like I had tons of money sitting around and there's no risk involved and I could just do whatever I wanted. I'd be waiting forever. Like I had to take a chance somewhere and there are parts, you know, there's parts of me that wishes like I got, I got started earlier. Uh, You know, and I'd say that to basically anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur is obviously timing is important and obviously figuring out your situation is important. But it doesn't necessarily have to be like a full-on headfirst dive off the cliff, right? Like you can start it as a side gig. You can pick up other work. Like there's things that I could have done differently that would have helped get me started back into this world faster. Um, and, you know, with that, I think is like network quicker. I don't know. I think I was just like super prideful or super lucky or maybe both. But I kind of was like, a, I don't need anyone else. Like I just, I got it all figured out. And um yeah, I don't know. Networking has really changed my view on all of it. It's finding the right people all the time. Uh, sorry, were those mistakes or things that you should do? I kind of mixed it all together. They're all the same. Yeah, exactly, right? And I don't know. And I think the other big thing is uh, find your partners correctly and have those like difficult talks early. I mean, there's mm-hmm. definitely solo, like, solo entrepreneurs, and I think that's awesome. Uh, I am definitely not smart enough or skilled enough to do all the things at once. So for me, finding right partners is really important. And I've had a couple just like small ventures that never actually took off. Um, and looking back, it's like, I don't know, I either chose the wrong partners or we weren't willing to have those hard discussions early. And like, if it's hard to divide up your company when it's not worth anything, imagine how hard it is to then divide up your company when it's worth a lot of something, mm-hmm. right? Like get all those conversations out early, have it down on paper, figure out your structure, you know, make sure you have the right people and then start running, like running fast on this thing. Cool. And, and with the, the finding partners, cause I, I've heard like common mistakes people have is they just choose their best friend to be a partner or just, sure. like, and so it's like with having those, those difficult discussions, obviously you need to talk about like, um, I don't know, like mutual visions for the company, the roles, like how are you going to split up equity and all that stuff. Uh, but to you with your experience what are you looking for when you like yes this is a good partnership this is someone i want to be business partners with versus red flags you might be looking for in in those cases yeah no absolutely 
you know, for one, and I think it's probably the most obvious one is complementary skill sets. Yeah, I'm not smart enough to code anything, and that's okay. Like, I figured out how to turn on the computer, and I can jump on a Skype call. So I'm, I guess I'm good. <laughs> uh, anyways, like that's just not my skill set. And so because of that, if I go buddy up with a bunch of other guys who are kind of in that marketing sales world, it's like cool. There's a bunch of us sales guys, and there's nothing to sell. So depending on what your you know your product or your service is, like obviously find people that complement you really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I you know I kind of alluded to it earlier. I think the other thing is, yeah, it's super easy to be like, you know what, these people are my best friends, and so I want to go into business with them. And in an ideal world, that's exactly what would happen. Um, but a lot of times, I find it's like your best friends are not the people you should go into business with at all. Uh, and it's I don't know for me that like litmus test is being able to have like those difficult founders discussions and founders agreements early on and seeing how people respond to that. Cause normally that it gets a little heated. It can get a little awkward and, you know, people who I think are comfortable being in the entrepreneurial space realize like it's nothing personal. It's just everyone getting their opinions out, coming to some sort of consensus and then can they move forward? Right. Like Dale, if you and I have a disagreement, is that going to affect us personally or is that something that we can move past and still work together with? I don't know. You're a cool guy. I hope we can work together, right? And that, yeah, that's good. So it's like, like, like what you're looking for is that kind of, um, I, I guess, like to bring one point to kind of simplify it is like, are you looking to be right or are you looking to like find the right answer kind of thing? And obviously, sure. like that that conversation at the beginning is a little more difficult because there's not necessarily one right answer, and everyone has to be a little bit selfish when they're they're making those decisions which is why it gets that that personal nature right yeah i think that's a really good way to put it and clearly i'm not a a wordsmith in any way but uh yeah if you have that ability to to make difficult decisions and to make difficult choices and have those difficult conversations without it affecting your relationship with that person and you guys can move past it that's someone that probably could be a good partner for you and there's obviously a lot of other pieces to it uh, but I don't know. I find so many of these early stage partners where they're best friends, which is great. And they're too scared to have those difficult talks early on, kind of just like kicking the can down the road. And it only gets worse, you know, once you put a bunch of time and money into it. Uh, anyways, so that's that's kind of my just I don't know one piece of advice there. Yeah, that that's good to keep in mind, because I think like. I'm I'm sure there's plenty of content out there, but at least I haven't run across that. And I feel like that's not when someone's starting a business, that's not something they want to because they're all excited and they just want to get going. So uh, that's another good point that uh, like when you're starting a business, you need to do that prep work. And when you have a partner, that's probably one of the most important pieces of prep work uh, before you actually get going. Yeah, no, I actually learned it from a. There's a guy named Anthony Castro who is super smart, and I, I've really enjoyed working with him in the past. Uh, you know, he and I looked at potentially partnering on a venture together, and yeah, I mean, I remember it was some real tough questions. You know, what happens if one of us dies? How do we, how do we fire a co-founder? Right, like tough questions that really made me start thinking. And then we'd all break up, and we kind of come up with our answers, and we come back together, and yeah, we'd find out that. While we're all friends, maybe we don't necessarily agree on certain things, and were we able to come to a conclusion and move past it, or you know, was that kind of a deal breaker for us? Anyways, Anthony's still a very good friend of mine. I love the guy to death, mm-hmm. but I was I was very grateful to learn that from him. That <laughs> that's a good point because that's not the 
it's not the fun part of entrepreneurship, which is something that people love talking about, but then there's, and then people also like talking about like, oh, the hustle, like look how many hours I'm putting in, but that's like even tougher than that part, than the actual hard work. So that's a good thing to bring up and a, a good thing to keep in mind as you're bringing on partners. Um, and w- when you like to so go back a couple steps in, in our conversation, sure. Uh, you brought up that one of your big tips was um, like networking and how you wish that like you you networked earlier and that um, like finding those right people, which kind of led us to the, this conversation of partnering up uh, when you're starting the business. Um, and like I see you all over LinkedIn, and I'm I'm curious like what's your um, or I guess your whole networking journey um, and, and kind of what led you to LinkedIn and, and what led you to, to see the real value in, in really interacting on LinkedIn uh, yeah. regularly. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, honestly, at first it was just, well, I'm over here at Skagit and I don't know how to develop and I'm trying to find people to sell. And I was like, okay, how do I sell to people with very little budget? I'm like, AdWords, too expensive or, you know, SEO, going to work on it. It's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. I was like, I guess let's just go on LinkedIn. And I kind of approached LinkedIn. I think how, I don't know, hopefully most people don't. I definitely did. I was like, okay, so you just like spam the crap out of it. And sooner or later, someone will say, yeah, no, I want what you're selling. And uh, I, I don't know. I just remember being super frustrated. Like, why on earth is this working? And um, I don't know. Then I kind of thought, how many of those spam messages do I actually respond to versus like immediately delete and then disconnect from that person? And I was like, okay, well that's probably why. And so I just took a step back and I started looking at like, okay, like what are the people, like what are these people who are really doing well on LinkedIn doing? Uh, And then I had this great conversation with Nick, uh, I don't know, months ago. And he was telling me like, look, it takes a long time. Like you're going to put in at least a year on this thing. And you just got to be real and you just got to have conversations and you can't be, you can't be out there selling all the time. And I was like, okay, like, let me try that. And the first couple, like I didn't really get much interaction and I was like, well, let's just keep pushing it and see what happens. And slowly I found that like I had my own little space on LinkedIn and I found some awesome people who for one reason or another actually wanted to hear what I had to say. And then as I started engaging with their content, you know, then we start these conversations and now uh, you know, in no way am I like a big deal on LinkedIn, but I am getting, you know, 15, 20 meetings a week where we get to know each other a little bit better. We jump on a call or we go to lunch together. And what's been great is like, that's brought me, you know, actual investors in my company. And it's brought us uh, basically, you know, again, these clients that are just like waiting to sign the paperwork. Uh, it's it's brought real friends and feedback and input. And I mean, really everything that I've wanted uh it's just all about who you know and how you connect with them and building these real relationships and really remembering that like people aren't transactions, right? If I view you as just some guy that's going to get me on a podcast, I mean, one, I probably never would have gotten here, but two, like how much further is this relationship going to go versus mm-hmm. if I view you as like Dale Harper, the person who has something really interesting to say, and I want to just get to know you as a person. That's great. And I think people can tell. Right? You can tell when someone's just trying to sell you versus when someone wants to actually know you. Does that answer your question at all? No, I I like that. And I think that's a really good point. And, and uh, I think you, uh, people probably can't go and dig up and find this, but like you responded to one of my comments where I asked um, for like what your tips are for 
through LinkedIn and then growing that network. And like you summed it, that's basically what you just said, just summed up into fewer words. And, and I love that mindset because obviously like what's more valuable, a transaction or, or that relationship. And then even if you try to put it into monetary value and just take the, the value of the actual relationship out, if you build that good relationship, it's a lot more likely that maybe five, 10 years down the line, I have something that would be great for Skagit or maybe a completely different venture works better. So like um, it's that relationship will, will go across like no matter what project you're working on, it's still there. Well, if it's transactional, you have to resell them every time it feels like. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. And I think you bring up a really good point, right? Uh, again, at least for me, and maybe people are just smarter than I am, but I'm always looking at the here and now. And it took me a long time to realize like the here and now is not the definition of who I am, right? Like there will be a future me and there will be future product or projects and there will be future ventures. And yeah, if you think of people just in terms of a transaction, you're only looking at them for like, what value can you bring me right now? But when you view people as like a real relationship, it's, you know, it's a whole different ball game of, you know, how, how are we going to work together in the long term? How can we learn from each other? How can we help each other out for, you know, however long this relationship goes? And yeah, I'm super excited about what that brings. Yeah. And that's awesome. And like, and just a curiosity question, like, how long would you say that you've been on LinkedIn with that mindset of, of just building good relationships and treating them like people? Uh, honestly, it's pretty early on still. Uh, you know, I think I started probably January, like beginning oh, of the dang. year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I got lucky with building some good connections right off the bat. Uh, I don't know. The other thing is, like, I was so scared of posting on LinkedIn. I don't know why. Like, I was just so worried about, like, what if people don't like what I have to say? What if they, I don't know, what if they think I'm dumb or, I don't know, whatever it is, right? Like, maybe it's just that fear of rejection, probably. Um, I don't know, but fairly early on, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start saying whatever I want to say. I'm not going to worry about, like, curating it perfectly for my LinkedIn. And, uh, and I don't know. I think people, I'd like to think that people were able to see that I was trying to be genuine. And so if you go read a lot of my posts, uh, a lot of them are pretty dumb and sarcastic and not this like super in-depth story about something that like changed my life. Like I'm not, I don't know, I'm not a thought leader or anything like that. I'm just telling my stories and sharing my ideas and uh, it's resonated well. And so I've been really blessed in that sense where I found people that it's resonated with and they've wanted to talk with me and we've been able to have these conversations. And again, you know, we got to lunch a bunch and we get a, share ideas and i get a ton of energy from that which is great uh because i mean being an entrepreneur can be a grind right it's hard to get up when you're like man the whole world seems like it's against me sometimes but i get so much energy from those conversations and it just helps keep pushing me forward i uh, i love that and like um how you're talking about like long term versus short term how you're more than just what you are right now and i, I almost feel like that's a little bit amplified as an entrepreneur entrepreneur because when you're starting off you have zero short-term benefit from <laughs> from working on like you're not getting anything right now but the sure. long-term benefits of it are, are all there so it, it's good to find that uh, obviously you need a balance like if you're not doing anything for yourself now that's um that's not good but you, you need to see the what it's going to do for you two three four 
five years down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And it's cool. Like people are, uh, in, in a lot of ways, people are kind of mirrors, right? If I approach you trying to sell you, your walls immediately go up and you go on the defensive where you try to sell me. And if I approach you just asking like, Dale, like, tell me your story. Who are you as a person? What are you working on? How can I help you? I've had more conversations in the last couple months with that mentality where people are just like, dude, what do you need? How can I help you? And I'm like, well, I'm looking for an investor. And they're like, great. I know a guy. Let me get you connected. And again, literally, like, I don't know, the majority of the investors I've found have come through people I met on LinkedIn, right? Like the majority of our customers have come through LinkedIn. The majority of our beta testers, I don't know, at least a good chunk of them have come through LinkedIn. And those are all people that are willing to do something right now for us, which is great. And, uh, you know, it's just awesome to see that. That's awesome. I love it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Paul. I, I think this is a great conversation. I, I wish we could take it further, but I think we both have things to do after this. Um, but thanks for joining me. I'm excited to follow Skedget's journey over the, over the next several years and, and see how fast it grows. Um, and for, for everyone who's listening, like, I know it's not live, so hopefully you'll you'll listen and get to this part when I post it. But um, let me know down in the comments, like, kind of some of the benefits that you got from this conversation. I'd love to hear like certain points that you pulled out that maybe, or maybe value adds that you can add. So, thanks again for joining me, Paul. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me, man. Oh, 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 oh,